Adventure Podcast. This podcast is about helping listeners learn from and meditate on our sermons from anywhere at any time. Thanks for joining us, and let's get started. This episode is from the Rethinking My Life series, and it is called Rethinking My View of Myself. I'm going to do, uh, if you weren't here uh, last week, we're, we're in the third week of uh, this series. We're going to do a little bit of review in a minute. But uh, first, pull up, uh, if you could, pull up this picture of my grandparents. Maybe. So this is uh, my, uh, um, uh, my dad's side, my uh, grandfather and grandmother, um, Jack and Beulah. And as you can see, um, I, got, uh, I got his hairline. And uh, fortunately, I did not. Um, but uh, my grandpa, he passed away, I think it was about five years ago now. But I wanted to show you the, uh, the picture, uh, because have you, heard, have you heard the idea or the theory that as, that as couples get older, they start to look like each other? <laughs> have you heard that? I mean, because they, I, I don't know, I mean, they, they kind of start to look like each other. But I, uh, I make that point, well, first, apparently that's not true. Okay, um, what, what they have discovered is that you have a tendency to choose a spouse who has similar characteristics of your parents. So, unfortunately, a lot of us end up marrying our mom or dad, okay, depending on... Um, but you, you can take that picture down. What I want you to think about um, this morning is what you are becoming. And uh, last week, well, if, we, if you have your notes, we'll review real quick. We talked about learning to think like Jesus, and it results in becoming. It results in you becoming more kingdom-minded. Remember we talked about that? And learning to think like Jesus, you're going to think you know, more broadly, and uh, part of that is your, with your vision. So we, we learned that we're going to have a, a more eternal vision, not just focused on uh, the here and now and, the, and things on earth, but an eternal vision. And the last thing that we talked about last week is... Uh, is learning to think like Jesus helps us to become more tr- mature uh, mentally, uh, spiritually, in our interaction. In fact, um, look with me here in Ev- Ephesians uh, 4 as we, we read this verse that we left off with last night. Um, it says, No prolonged in infancies among us, please, Paul says. We'll not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are easy prey for predators. And he says, God wants us to grow up to know the whole truth and to tell it in love like Christ and everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything that we do. He keeps us in step with each other. I like this part. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. And folks, that's our hope for you, especially in this series, that, that this series might be a catalyst for some spiritual growth. Because sometimes... Sometimes, uh, if you've been following for, with Jesus for a while, we get in a rut, don't we? And uh, over this past uh, year, with everything that we've had to, uh, to endure, um, it can easily have put you in a rut uh, spiritually. And so I hope that you can uh, look at this series as an opportunity uh, for growth. And uh, take this uh, passage here in Galatians. We, uh, we refer to this as the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, this is a list that you can help, uh, that you can look at to help measure, you know, how you're doing with your uh, spiritual growth. So look over that list real quick. 
What might God be calling you to start becoming? I mean, look at that list. Is he, is he, is he calling you to start becoming more loving? Is he, start, is he calling you to, starting to be more patient, to be more kind, more gentle, becoming more self-controlled? What's he calling you to become? If you're not sure, then maybe ask your spouse. <laughs> or maybe that's not a good idea. They usually do have a good idea what you need to start becoming, right? If you don't want to start uh, an argument then, maybe what would your mama say that you need to start becoming? Because she always has a very good perspective on what you need to start becoming. And so that's really what I want to begin, uh, where I want to begin today, is your view of yourself. And so here in our introduction, how do you view yourself? Another way um, to word this and what I'm getting at is what... Uh, what, what lens, what process do you use, do you go through to take on uh, your identity? Because you were not born with a sense of self. I mean, think about that. When you were a baby, the lens to which you viewed yourself was through your parents or through your caretakers. You see, when you were born, you had no sense of who you were. You know, a baby's first words are not, I think, therefore I am. <laughs> you know, the, it's usually mama or data, right? See, as the brain develops through our interaction with our parents or caretakers, whether it's healthy or not, we begin to develop a sense of who we are and identity. Researchers call this the attachment process, and it's through a healthy attachment process that we begin to develop a healthy identity. Now, if that process is unhealthy, if it's negative, if it's harmful, it eventually sets up that child to at some point, maybe during their teenage years, maybe long into adulthood, to, ha to have an identity crisis. And you don't, you don't have to uh, look very far to see that our culture has an identity crisis going on. When I think about an identity crisis, think about that little story that we were read as a little kid, The Ugly Duckling. Do you remember The Ugly Duckling? The Ugly Duckling was actually not a duck. He was a swan, but somehow his egg got mixed up with the duck's eggs. And so he's hatched with some other ducks, and they reject him because he's big and fluffy and ugly and not like them. And as the story goes, everywhere he goes, he is rejected because he's, he's, he's ugly because he doesn't look like a duck. It has a happy ending because he eventually he ends up finding other swans, which is what he is. He's a swan, not a duck. And so it, it, it ends with a beautiful, ugly duckling going off being the swan, the swan that he is. But the point, the point of this story of the ugly duckling and the identity crisis is that he probably would have been fine thinking he was a duck if they, he would have been accepted. Because our desire to fit in, to be accepted, is so strong, we will take on a false identity. That's how, that's how strong our desire to be accepted is. It's, uh, it's more evident in our culture than it's ever been. With girls wanting to be boys, boys wanting to be girls, the human brain's desire to belong is so strong, it will reject their, its own biological and mental and spiritual 
identity. I'm convinced that if the ugly duckling was written today, he would have gone under hormone treatment or had some type of surgery to become a duck or some other farm animal that accepted him. So what's the right way to view yourself? How does God teach us to view ourselves? We're going to look at that, that right way in a moment. But, but before we do that, let's go back to what puts us on a path of the wrong way. So A, my false identity. My false identity is an identity made up of who I want others to think I am. There are other things that go in to creating a false identity, but I want to focus on this desire to belong and to take up different personas to fit in. It's so strong. Again, it will, that desire to belong, we will allow it to trump this, this process of becoming who God created us to be, to be. Do you realize that human beings are the only creatures on this earth with an identity crisis going on? I mean, sure, you can look up a YouTube video of a cat who thinks it's his dog. And you, can, and you can find a video of a dog who thinks it's a human. I mean, I think my Labrador thinks he's one of my kids. He, he, sleeps, with, uh, he sleeps in my son's room. He's, he's an inside dog. And uh, he pouts when I'm not home. And, and uh, I, yeah, I think he thinks he's one of us. He's one of my kids. Now he's yet to ask me why he's the only one who has to poop outside. But I, I think he has this identity of being one of my children. But think about, think about a rose. Does a, does a rose look up at the great oak tree and, and wish that it were a tree? No. Hey, it just focuses on one thing, being a rose. Why, why, why are humans so consumed with becoming something that we are not? Well, the answer is way more complicated than we have time for. But it has a lot to do with our freedom that we have been given by God as human beings. Remember, God has given us this gift to dream, to think beyond ourselves and our destiny in life. We have the freedom to choose and desire more for ourselves than just surviving in this world. All other life forms are solely focused on surviving and reproducing and being what they are. But we are given the gift of being more. Not just being, but the gift of becoming. And we have millions of different choices to choose from of what we would like to become. But there is only one. But there is only one true you in Jesus Christ. And so let's look at our true self. B, my true self is an identity made up of who I am and who I am becoming in Christ. This is what I want to focus the rest of our time on is who we are becoming in Christ. So number one, only Jesus can lead you to the real you. Look what he says in Mark chapter 8. Calling the crowd to join his disciples, Jesus said, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead you're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is my way to saving yourself, your true self, 
What good would it do to get everything you want and lose it, the real you? What could, what could you ever trade for your soul? You know, besides the gift of eternal life that Jesus offers us, I believe uh, the next greatest gift that he has given us is this gift of becoming. In fact, it's so, it's so wonderful because he says, listen, my spirit, if you accept, if you accept my salvation, my spirit is going to live in you, and together with the guidance of, of the Holy Spirit, we will travel together on this road of becoming who God created you to, to be. It's an incredible gift. And so let's look at a couple important aspects we need to understand in traveling this road of becoming with Jesus. So number two, the road to the real me. To take a, um, give you an example of how to, how to walk this road, we're going to look at a story, it's a wonderful story in the Gospel of John, John chapter 4. And it's a story we refer to as the woman at the well. And just to give you a little a context before we read some of this, um, if you're familiar with the story, you will remember it began as an uncomfortable situation. In fact, the whole story is uncomfortable because Jesus, a Jew, starts to interact with this Samaritan woman. And Samaritans and Jews didn't like each other. And the fact that she's a woman makes it even more awkward. And so... Um, Jesus not only is in this uncomfortable situation with this woman, the disciples are uncomfortable just going through Samaria, uh, Samaria at all because they don't want to be around Samaritans. And so they're uncomfortable. The woman's uncomfortable in this situation. But before we read, let's remember that when, Jesus, when, you're, when you're following Jesus, he will lead you into uncomfortable situations if you want to grow. And so uh, before we read uh, here in John 4, Look at, uh, look at A, I must step out of my comfort zone to interact with Jesus. And that's, what's ha- that's what happens uh, in our story. And so as we begin in verse 7, it says, A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, Would you give me a drink of water? Now his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The Samaritan woman is taken back. She asks, How come you, a Jew are asking me, a Samaritan, and a woman, for a drink. Because again, in those days, they didn't associate with each other. Verse 10, Jesus answered, If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh living water. The woman said, Sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and this well is deep. So how are you going to get this living water? Are you, better, are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it? So this scene, again, begins very awkward. She doesn't understand what he's offering. She doesn't understand why he's even talking to her. And even though she's a little, little uh, uncomfortable, she, uh, she's kind of interested. But think about other stories of the Bible and Jesus' interaction with people, don't they often begin a little uncomfortable? I mean, if you just, if you just go back one chapter in John chapter 3, you'll read the story of Jesus interacting with Nicodemus. And it gets uncomfortable because Jesus says, if you want to live forever, you have to be born again. He's like, man, you're weird. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. So 
this is, this, is not, this is not new. Jesus often, when you first meet him, it's often a little uncomfortable. It should tell you how, how that relationship is going to continue. Because think about this. I don't know if you, whether you grew up in the church or maybe you didn't grow up in the church. When you, start, when you first meet Jesus, often you come into the church. Maybe you came into here and you're like, what's with all these tables? It's a little weird. The donuts. And what's, with these, what's with these little Kool-Aid cups? That's, what's, what's up with that? And then what's with the Yoo-Hoo guy and the Woo-Hoo guy in the back? <laughs> Some of you raising your hands. It's just a little weird. And it, maybe it began a little uncomfortable for you, but eventually you settled in, right? You settled in, and Jesus says, all right, now, now that you're comfortable, I want to push you a little more. And he, and he says, you know, I, you, you should start praying every day. And be in, be in the Word every day. Get into a small group. Have relationships. And, it, and it's a little awkward to begin with. It's not part of your routine. And even though it might be awkward, you get, you, you get used to it, this relationship with God. And you get comfortable. And he says, okay, now, now that you're comfortable again, then, then maybe you should start serving. And so you start serving. And, and you've never taught kids before or done other spiritual ministry before and it it is weird but eventually it's not weird and then eventually god says keep going need you to go deeper and so some class is offered or some book is you are encouraged to read that challenges you to go deeper and like i don't read that much but you do it and you grow and you grow and you get comfortable again and then and then somebody like Pastor Jason off, offers you, encourages you to go on a retreat with him out in the middle of, of nowhere because <laughs> we're going to talk about some spiritual deep things. And it's awkward, but you, but you do it because that's, that's how you grow in Christ. If, so if, you're, if you haven't already caught on, we are all different, okay? We're all different. And there are things that you enjoy doing with God that others don't. And so God is going to work with each and every one of us differently to push us out of our comfort zone so that we can grow, so that we can continue to grow. So let me ask you, let me ask you this. When was the last time you stepped out of your comfort zone with Jesus? When was the last time you did something new with Jesus? Because if it's been a while then can't we reason together that you have stopped becoming? So let's, let's, uh, let's go back to our story. Jesus has offered this woman living water, right? And uh, I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to tell it to you. So she's interested. She goes, all right, I'll, I'm, I'll take this living water. And Jesus says, all right, go back and get your husband um, go back in town and, get it and bring him back. And she's like, well, I don't have a husband. And he says, that's right. You don't have a husband. You have had five husbands in your life, and the dude you're with now is not your husband. She's a little uncomfortable. So you know what she does? She changes the subject. She says, well, I realize that you must be a prophet. So let's talk some religion, dude. Because you guys say we've got to worship over here in, in your place. But, but we worship here, so what's up? So he goes on to, to talk to her 
about what's up. But what's really going on? Because it's it just keeps getting awkward. I mean, when this woman woke up that day, it was just an ordinary day in the life of a woman with a poor reputation, looked down upon by her peers. And I'm sure when she was born, that look of hope in her mother's eyes as she held her was not that, that my baby would one day grow up to be a woman who went from man to man to man to man. That was not the hope of her mother. But then one day, she comes face to face, eyes to eyes, with her Savior. She doesn't even know it. And out of nowhere, her life has changed. Out of nowhere, because she got, was willing to be a little uncomfortable, she was able to start letting go of some of these negative attachments that she had in her life. She started to let go of this false identity and these weird ideas of religion. Jesus helps her break free from all these negative attachments and gets her to look at her God and herself differently. That's the only way she's going to become who God created her to be. So B, look at this, the only way to break, break free from my negative attachments that are created by my false self, is to create new pathways of thinking about God and myself. As I mentioned last week, I like, thinking, I like reading about our brains and, and, how they, and how they work. I'm just fascinated by it, how, how God created um, our brains. And uh, a lot of research has been done out there um, confirming what the Bible has already said to be true about your brains, that you can change the way you think because the brain has this amazing plasticity. I mean, you can change it. Even in old age, an old dog can learn new tricks. So some of you, 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 you can still do it. New neural pathways can be formed in your brain. And I love, I love studying because there's a lot of research out there about how certain spiritual practices help change your brain and, and make it more healthy, especially in, in your cognitive functions. So let's break down just one passage here from Scripture in Romans 12. Uh, what, what this process that, that God says that we can use to help change our brain. Romans 12, 12 2. Paul says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So let's pause for just a second. If, if we can reason uh, together with our brains, with what we just read, then can't we conclude that if we stop practicing the behaviors and the customs of this world and this culture, and instead practice the behaviors and the customs of God and Scripture, then just as the culture has changed our brain, so too can God change our brain and transform us. And then, as we continue to read, you will learn to know how God's will for you, what, what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So you might be thinking, can God really change my brain? Ah, I don't know. I mean, 
Can he really change my life? Can he, can he really change me into a new person? And you might be thinking, I'm pretty messed up and I'm pretty stuck in my ways. Jesus has saved me, but I need a bunch of grace. And I am who I am. But listen, you can be made new. It's not just an idea. It's not just propaganda. You can be made new. Let me give you an example. Uh, uh, many of you know, if you've been here a while and you've, you've talked with me, I used to be an uh, electrician before I became a pastor. And so often I would be called to somebody's house because, I don't know, they got a problem. There's a short. Um, there's no power. And so often I would get there and just go turn on the breaker <laughs> and then leave them a little bill because I didn't show up for free. Um, oh, here's, here's the one that gets a lot of people, the GFI. You know, that, that trips, you don't know where it's at, and it's a bunch of things. So that's another easy fix. That's the second place I'd go. But occasionally, it's not that simple. Occasionally, it's very difficult. I remember one, one lady, I, I walked in, she, I said, what's, what's wrong? She goes, every time I do dishes, I get shocked. <laughs> so I'm like, I get out my tester, and there's nothing wrong with the sink, but there's the wall right next to the sink. It had that old plaster with the metal sticking out, and the wall was, was electrified. And she was getting shocked. And I was like, wow. But I started tearing into things. And like over an hour later, I can't figure out why the, what in the world is going on. So I, so I said, listen, I don't want to, I want you to pay me to be here all day to try to find the problem. But here's what I can do. I can run a new wire. Bypass all this stuff. And you'll be good to go. And so that's what I did. Now, if somebody ever comes back and rehooks up, the old stuff, she's gonna, you're going to have the same problem. You're going to get shot. The same thing happens or can happen in your own brains. You've got that old wiring with those old behaviors, but if you start practicing these new thoughts and these new ways of God and his word, then the new wiring begins to, to be created in your head, new pathways of how to live, and how to love, and how to think, how to behave. However, if you ever energize any of those old pathways, then guess what you're going to get? You're going to get the same problems that you got before. That's, that's, how it, that's how it works. But Paul, Paul warns us of one huge obstacle that can derail that whole process. So look, uh, we, we stopped in verse 3. We didn't read that, right? We didn't read that. Look what, look what he says. He, he warns us about our own pride and arrogance and the solution. He says, because of the privilege and, and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measure yourselves by the faith God has given us. So today, are you letting pride get in your way of becoming? Are you letting your pride keep you from experiencing the real you? You know, some of you are, are doing just that. You're keeping Jesus at arm's length. And if you had been the woman at the well, you would have either ignored Jesus or you just would have left, got away from this weird guy. Sure, maybe you're here today, you're in church. Maybe you're involved. A lot of people know you. But when it comes down to getting real with Jesus, you don't want to talk about it. 
Your conversation is all just on the surface. You don't want to talk about the five husbands that you had and the one that you're with right now is not your husband. You don't want to talk about your stuff. You're uncomfortable with getting real with others. You're uncomfortable with getting real with God. But if you want to become the real you, you have to get real with God and you have to get real with others. You've got to do it. Listen to how Jesus explains to this woman. Hey, you want, if you want to truly have a relationship with God, John chapter 4, 23, it says, it's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before Him in worship. God is sheer being itself, His spirit. Those who worship Him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. You know, if you've been around adventure for a while, you know that we have, we have a motto that goes like this. Life's greatest adventure is knowing God. And that's a, a short, piffy um, motto, as mottos go. But I want to expand on that's its meaning. So there in your conclusion, look what it says. It has our motto, life's greatest adventure is knowing God. But to expand on that, it's also experiencing God knowing me. I mean, certainly knowing God is a great adventure. And don't make the mistake of just knowing facts about him is, is that great adventure. No, we, we focus on that knowing because we want you to understand that it's, an, it's a relationship with God that we're after. And in that context of the relationship with God and knowing him, you get to experience God knowing you, just like the woman at the well. Her life was forever changed because God stopped. He stopped and he thought of her. She experienced the great pleasure of being known by God because her desire to be known. And, it, and she was inspired to start walking that road of becoming with Jesus. How can you start walking that road of becoming? Well, it begins by understanding that you don't travel this road by yourself. Can't do it by yourself. Listen, this process of becoming uh, like Jesus is just as much you and Jesus as it is we and Jesus. That's, that's how this story ends. It wasn't just about her. Look at John 4, 29. After all this unfolds, she goes into town. She's excited. She says, come see a man who knew all about the things I did, who knows me inside and out. Do you think that this could be the Messiah? And they, and they went to see for themselves. You see, on that day, Everyone in the story got a better look at God and themselves. From the disciples to the Samaritan woman to the Samaritans in town. They got a better look at God and themselves all because one woman was willing to endure an uncomfortable situation, a little awkwardness, and then tell her story. Have you told your story? You see, telling your story is a part of becoming, becoming who you are. You see, telling your story has, has, is, is so powerful because especially, that's why in, in the midst of a group of other believers, that's why we encourage you to, be, to get involved, to be a part of a small group or ministry where your story is known because 
when, when you tell your story to other people in Christ who have Jesus in them, then it's, it's as if God is your audience. And when you tell your story to other believers, you are being known not just by them, but by God. And it's, it's a wonderful healing process. It's powerful because it continues your process of becoming. So where do you begin today? Whether you're just beginning or you're trying to get out of a rut, where do you begin getting back to becoming? Well, here, last couple things. I can only discover my true self by pursuing God. Okay, so if you just, you just started following Jesus, you've, if nobody told you, it's still a pursuit. I mean, you found him and he found you, and he just says, tag, you're it, and it's a continual pursuit of you pursuing him and him pursuing you. And so if you've been following Jesus for a while, then when did you stop pursuing him? Because that's why you're in the rut. That pursuit never stops. And then B, I can only live out my true self by believing what God says is true about me. So as we close, let me remind you, do not, do not let others define who you are. Only God can define who you are and who you are becoming. Let's pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful that uh, you look, you overlook our shortcomings, whether there are many or a few. You come to us all with the same grace, with the same love, with the, the same respect of, of who, not just who we are, but who, who we could become. And you invite us into this relationship, this pursuit, this pursuit of you and this pursuit of who you're wanting us to become. And so, Father, for everybody here, whether they are just starting to follow Jesus or whether they maybe have fallen in a rut and they've been following you for a while, my prayer, my prayer is that we, we all will begin to pursue you again. And in pursuing you, we will discover, discover who we really are, but even more than that, we will discover a love and a life that would go way beyond we could have ever imagined. That's my prayer for your church, Father. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.